Hi, my name is Lloyd Sarbutz, and this podcast is brought to you by Liberia, a bookshop by Second Home. In this episode, I am joined online by Roger and James Deakins and Alexander Nanow to discuss Alexander's documentary film, Collective, which explores power, corruption, tragedy, and outrage in society. offering your time um, and sure. uh, to Team Deacons, uh, Roger and James, uh, for joining me as well. This is uh, a Liberia and Second Home recording for podcast and our YouTube channel to discuss Alexander's latest uh, documentary, Collective, um, which uh, is in consideration for some of the biggest prizes in film and has been uh, showcased at um, some of the biggest film festivals. So this is a huge honour for me. And uh, I just want to dive in because I know that we've only got 45 minutes and I want to get as much uh, wealth and insight as I possibly can. So, um, Alexander, I guess when you're filming a documentary, you, you first learn of the story and then you're having a, like a, a creative intention at the point of commencing the project. May I ask, uh, firstly, how you learned of, of the story and then uh, proceeded to create this uh, finely crafted documentary? Yeah, so, uh, I mean, basically, the, the thing is that I don't know the story when I begin. That's, uh, that's the thing that, uh, I mean, to explain it, in, in this case, for example, uh, we had this, mass demonstrations after the fire, a young generation taking the streets in many cities in Romania, uh, you know, finally demonstrating against their parents' um, generation in a way, the, the, the tolerance they had uh, towards uh, uh, populistic and, and corrupt political class. Uh, and so I, what I knew is that it is definitely a turning point in the society and that I want to understand um, how power works. How do these people that were in power and were manipulating and lying uh, about the Romanian healthcare system, uh, healthcare system being able to treat these patients and them dying in hospital? So I started from the idea of finding the right characters to shadow in an observation documentaries through whose eyes I could understand what was going on i never you know i never suspected let's say the 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 depth of what we basically discovered yeah um it, you know it's kind of interesting too because you started with the news team you started with those people and then the story shifts which is so interesting to be a part of and you start to see that politician. And because you didn't start there, I just assumed this politician was another corrupt person. So it was a wonderful yeah. revelation in the film. And it was so natural because I felt like everybody was discovering it at the same time. Yeah. So yeah. there's something very special about what you were able to do in bringing us kind of along on your journey too, finding the Discovery, story. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I, I mean, the, the thing is that I, I think that my job is really to give the viewer the same feeling of discovery and of 
learning and asking him, him or herself questions while watching the people. And um, in a way, um, I understood at a certain point that we have to understand as, view, as viewers the story really from so many different angles because it is, it is basically, you know, how does society work? Uh, what are all these different things that influence our private lives? Uh, and the more we, we filmed and the more I also understood, the more I understood that it's not such a simple story, you know, and it's, it's our lives are dependent on so many uh, life attitudes of other people and compromises that other people make and, uh, you know, the truths or the lies that other people uh, say. And with the minister, when he came in, for sure, I had this his trust, which was, I think that he was very courageous because he didn't know me. I yeah. could, as you know, yeah. very well, you know, there's a lot of power in the hands of images. Mm -hmm. uh, but that was the idea. I really wanted to understand, you know, will he resist? Will he, you know, is he able to stand up to his values? And I was not sure at first, as you see it in the film, you know, yeah. he started by repeating what the system put on his lap. Mm -hmm. uh, and then it was interesting just to, in a way, it's also the pleasure, right, of, of filmmaking to really observe human nature, human attitudes, human behavior. Mm -hmm. And also when I was filming in both rooms, like in the newsroom and in the ministry at the same time and during the same days, uh, none of them knew what I knew from the other trench, basically. Uh, and it was interesting because I, for example, knew when uh, when um, investigation would come out and I was able to just, you know, choose the right moments to be there to understand uh -huh. how will these people resist it? You know, how will they react to the press? Because maybe before they saw the press, you know, is there uh, a lie... But yeah. suddenly, because we are all human, they maybe feel the press is failing them by revealing things during their mandate. And did did either side feel that you were not betraying, because that's a very strong word, but, but let's just use it, but you were betraying them by not telling them ahead of time what you knew? Did you Were you caught in the middle that way sometimes? No. No, because I think that in a way, uh, the good thing was that our relationship in the newsroom and in the ministry was built upon the trust in our professionality. And I think that's also very important in observational documentary filmmaking that people, even if they don't really know what you're doing, they can't really imagine how this will look in the end, how a film will come yes. together. Yes. But they feel that you know and you are professional and... And there was this really mutual respect for what we were doing as professionals. Uh -huh. So that I think there was one moment, for example, in the newsroom where the journalists suddenly find out something that I knew since a month, maybe. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, Mirella then told me like, listen, you knew, you, you knew, and we worked for a month to get this. And I said, yes, I knew, and I also filmed it, but you know, we have a very clear understanding. And then he's, uh, you know, both said, because also Kathleen Tolentan was in the room, said like, oh, wow, wow, I mean, you know, thank you for, you know, for being so, 
straight and so clear professional because we would have done the same. Yeah, it kind of kind of draws the line right there so that they both sides know they can trust you because you're not telling them the things that you know ahead of time. You could find yourself in a very difficult moral dilemma there though, couldn't you? Yeah. <laughs> By having, knowing something that actually, if you told it, would have a huge impact on maybe somebody's life. You know, we've had that situation here in American politics where a certain John Bolton knew things that he never said until he wrote a book about it to make money out of it. <laughs> you know what I mean? You can get in a difficult situation. Yeah. Yeah here, yeah, here I think one has to, to, to trust his own judgment, you know, what is, what is it really what you possess as an information? And I think if, if let's say, the information I would have had from the ministry uh, that I, I knew that it would put life in, lives in danger or not, uh, for sure. I mean, that always, you know, you have to reevaluate how, how much you let the journalists know or how much you, you basically intervene, uh, but it was not, uh, you know, it was not information of, of life and death at that moment. It was just uh, information of incidents, of uh, infections and things that, um, yeah. Um, because we're talking about this uh, power dynamic that the documentary filmmaker has um, almost unwittingly, um, as you're filming this and you're aware of so much information um, and you're making these moral judgments, are you make, what kind of creative judgments are you making um, in terms of how you're piecing this information? Um, is it an organic uh, process? Um, do you have uh, a clear-sighted intention for what the end result will look like? Um, can, you, can you elaborate on that side of the mm -hmm. process? Yeah, at a certain point, uh, I understood, for example, that, you know, journalism will be a very important part of it. And my, my aim was, how could I just tell a very simple story? What does a journalist do from the moment he gets an information? How does he check on it? How does he meet whistleblowers? Uh, and then also, like, how do you capture uh, human emotions that have to do with the responsibility of a journalist before he puts out information in this world of fake news and, you know, war on truth and so forth. There's a, I think that that is one of the biggest uh, challenges, right? The, the um, responsibility of a journalist when he puts an information out. Uh, and so these are all, you know, things that you think about in the, in the big arc. But then, because every day is new, and as you can see in the film, like you never know what comes next and what happens. And it was exactly like that while we were filming. Uh, there are the very practical decisions you take on a daily basis, right? So what is happening here? What's the best position? It's available light. Uh, then as the day unfolds, uh, my head starts basically to build the dramaturgy as in the editing room. And I start to think like, okay, so who's leading here the scene? You know, where do I have to stay to, to be as mobile as possible to move around without disturbing? Uh, you know, where will the light come from in one hour if this goes on? These are all, you know, it's, it, and that's one of the pleasures of uh, observational filmmaking. You 
you know, the level of focus over many hours and of really doing all the things in our hand at the same time, like thinking about lights, thinking about editing, thinking about uh, emotion, about dramaturgy, who's leading the scene, what do I have to capture to understand what they're doing? Uh, it's very complex. And uh, at the end of a day of 10 hours like that, for sure, you feel like you're dead. Uh, but it's it feels also very rewarding um, when you understand that you have captured something precious. And what happens if you discover that something happened and you weren't there and it really needs to be in the film? Do you have to try and create some sort of reenactment or some sort of scene just from an editing viewpoint? I need to get this piece of information across. Do you ever have to do that if it's something happened when you weren't there because you were sleeping or something and but it's something that needs to be in the film not really no I try to be as observational as possible so I really don't even tell people to uh you know to sit down again or stand up or I really yes. understand to you, you know if if a day is good, then it feels like a dance. You know, you dance with the rhythm of the characters, you dance with their um, tension and emotion, and you understand with the camera, you know, where you have to be. But for sure, I do, if there was, let's say, a meeting and they had papers on the, on the, on the table, I do pick ups, let's say, to be just safe if I have to edit, yeah. you know, to understand, oh, they were talking about this piece of, uh, when they were talking about uh, a certain article they were going to publish and it was on the table, for sure. I also stay there uh, another uh, five minutes and, and film some pickups just to be sure that I have, I have it for the edit and then the, you know, the sound person uh, would do a room tone. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, we, we yeah. do these things. But related to, to characters in action, uh, I... I rarely do that. And it always feels wrong whenever I think about doing it. And you can immediately feel the um, artificiality of it in a way. Mm -hmm. Because they're real life people. I mean, you can't, they're not actors. So. Yeah. yeah. And are you cutting while you're shooting or do you wait till after you finish shooting to cut? Uh, mainly I wait. What I do is I have a certain way of working when I've shot Sometimes for one, two or three months, I stop and I really look for a time window of two, three weeks where I can stop. Uh, and then I go to the editing room and I need to be able to edit in as long as it takes a, a trailer of about three to five minutes where I start to understand my own, the style of the story, the potential of the characters, uh, the way they um, they are basically on on screen, um, so I, I need this introspection to understand what I'm doing. And once I uh, I can do it uh, successfully, that I think like yeah, that works. I mean, that's I I can trust what I chose, the character, the, the right characters, and the right let's say direction for something. Then I can go back in full force. Uh, also, as a producer, I can say, like, this is a project you have to finance, you know, and then I really look for the for the money uh, okay. before that I try to put our own resources in. Or if I have co-producers, you know, we put our own resources in. And then once I have this trailer, I think like, OK, now we can go out and I know I can I can make a good film here. Mm -hmm. 
in those um, moments of introspection that you talk of, Alexander, um, do you um, consider how you, you talk about considering how people come across on camera? So someone like uh, Catalin, who in the movie, I felt he was very clear sighted and quite um, level headed, um, uh, even amongst his peers. Um, who might get a little bit more kind of agitated when they've uncovered information? Do you um, do you consider that when you're in those moments of introspection and then think, right, in this edit, I need to be faithful to that trait that the person has shown? Yeah, I mean, there are you know there are different layers of uh, understanding a person. And from my experience in, in observational filmmaking, for example, you know, the lower you go in society, the more authentic people are. The higher you go, and also with the journalists that are in a way also known, the more masks people have on their faces that you have to try to get through or, you know, help them take off, uh, so to say. So... Um, in, in his case, for example, for sure, he is, uh, you know, he's uh, intelligent, he's aware of things. He didn't really understand what I'm doing. Nevertheless, there was a discussion, for example, I remember he came to me and said, like, oh, this will never work, you know, because I'm not somebody who will, I will not work on screen. I'm too, you know, I'm not, uh, <laughs> uh, you know. And, and these are the moments where you have to tell people, like, you know, you're so good at your job, like, let me do my job and let me take care of that. Just relax. Yeah. I mean, it's it's really, you know, even if you think you will be shit on screen, uh, yeah. let me do my job, you know. Uh, yeah. And then they, they understand and they relax in a way. But, but still, uh, you know, having said that, uh, getting through the masks of people sometimes really has also just to do with the angle from which you shoot the face. Um, it's, you know, even, even the height, is it eye level or, you know, uh, these are all decisions that you take like any photographer basically takes them. Like what's really the, the thing, the frame that, that um, lets the glimpses of authenticity shine through. Mm -hmm. I think that's what makes your documentaries so strong because sometimes people are just, putting it down on film to make sure the story gets told. But you're trying to tell the story so many times just in the framing. And that to me is more, um, it, it affects you more deeply sometimes when it's not in dialogue or in actions. You're, you don't know why, but you suddenly understand something. And I think that that's really the strength in your films that you're really thinking that way. Yeah, because I have, a, I have a very strong need to connect to these people. So I, I, it, it's a need of identification. And I think that, uh, you know, it's something that I, I'm sure Roger <laughs> agrees that when you film people, you know, it's really the way you fall in love, basically, with them and their personalities. Yeah. Uh, and the, it's, uh, you know, you feel like, you know, it's the way you see them. It's the way you photograph them, uh, basically. And that has a lot to do with identification. How do I identify with this person? How do I look through, you know, uh, in, in, how do I, um, 
how do I basically show my own projection of this of this person, what I think is his truth, what I think is his authenticity. And you, um, this focus on the person and um, uh, in other interviews, you talk about society as a collective, um, you know, as the reason why you picked up on this project as uh, something to pursue. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm wondering what your intention was uh, for the end, uh, end result of the documentary, because there's moments that you, you have included, um, say the suspicious death of uh, the Hexa farmer chief. Um, and I, I think it was, for me, it was a revelation that you didn't really pursue that for like a, a great duration during the documentary. It was more of an acknowledgement. Um, so may I ask like, what, um, what things did you choose to kind of um, leave for the pursuit of a greater intent and what that intent was. Um, was, it, was it a greater change? Was it a specific like focus criticism? No, um, I, you know, when I edit and watch how things work, um, it's complicated to, to, to explain the process, but I try to, to, to see it through the eyes of strangers, through, through the eyes of, of, of spectators, basically. And I have to feel that there's enough space always left for people to ask their own questions and to fill in the gaps and discover things. So I, I strongly believe in, in films where I don't feel that there is a, the intention of an author that is stronger than the theme, you know, because there's the, you know, the author, the, the auteur, cinema d'auteur, uh, which can be great, but it, I, I think it also can be horrible when you feel that the filmmaker thinks that he's smarter than his audience. Yeah. And I think that there are so, you know, for me, a film works when I, as a viewer, have so many dots to connect and uh, questions to ask. And uh, I think that, you know, that's also why being in a cinema is so great because you can, you know, with good films, you can feel like this uh, uh, collective intelligence that takes over, you know, you're just like a big brain in, in, in a cinema and a big heart in a way with, with, with all emotions. Uh, but even when you're in the cinema and have these films where you feel like, oh, somebody is here to teach us things, to show us how talented he is or how smart he is, you know, I get bored. I get, I get, you know, I fall asleep. Very much. It's interesting though, isn't it? Because there's a danger that you have this material and you're editing it to make something that's more, to make it more entertaining. So you have to tell the story, but you have to tell the story in a way that the audience is going to connect to. So it's up to you, the filmmaker, that balance between, you know what I'm saying, making a film that's not only accessible, but people feel engaged, but right. also being truthful to actually what's there. Because I notice in your films, a lot of the time you're, even with Kathleen or something, you're observing him after a phone call or something, you're holding that moment where yeah. he's reflecting, 
which is really important. Whereas some filmmakers would say, no, that's not progressing the narrative, so I'm going to move on. So I really respect that in your work, especially in some of your earlier work, you know, the Toto and his brothers, you know. Sisters. Sisters, sisters sorry. <laughs> Brothers, sisters. You know, that, that, those moments of reflection, I think, are really important and, and show that, Show, show me that you're not getting taken with just telling a story and producing something that's purely to advance your film as an entertainment. Yeah, it's so, so interesting how, how, you know, how you connect to people if you are given in the right moment, the right time to ask yourself, like, what's going on? You know, what's his thought? What's her emotion? What, you know, uh, and that's something that I, also found out basically uh, in film school while doing uh, fiction work, you know, this work with actors where you um, rehearse things uh, and you just understand, like, let the camera run without the actors knowing it. Yeah. And mm -hmm. suddenly they just, you know, do things, sit around or whatever, and you understand how powerful this moment of, of, con of losing control basically is. And that's also the thing where you try to bring actors to when you work with actors, right? In, in, in the moment where they really uh, lose themselves. Yeah. Yeah. And also what's great about your films is you're, you, the viewer just gets into the story and you're not aware that there's someone else manipulating the story, that there's someone else. Right there in the room you actually are in the room and there are certain documentaries where the documentary filmmaker is so in the room that you can't let go of it and just be in that whatever the subject is in that story true um, yeah it's something yeah it, it's um i think that's something that i intentionally um try to 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 do and while watching other films, I always thought like, oh, there's so great stories, so great characters, but I didn't really understand what upsets me a bit, you know, why can't I really access it? And then I realized that it is the way people uh, un understand camera work, right? It, there's a huge difference between a camera that is trying to catch up with reality in documentaries, trying to run after things, trying to move after things, which means that the, the, the uh, camera person is not really connected to the, to the characters. And so I, through the years, I, I try to um, get to a level where I am really connected with the camera to the characters so that you never feel there is somebody filming them. Yeah, yeah. You know, you never feel character moves, camera is going after, you know, you just have to, it's a dance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't know of another documentary filmmaker who can shoot like you can. Oh, thanks. <laughs> no, I mean, it's, it's beautiful. It's so reserved and it's about, yeah, the framing and like James was saying earlier, the framing and the, what you're doing with the camera tells you so much and it's, probably what you're not doing with the camera. It's you're so sensitive to the subject. You're not aware that you're there shooting, you know. It's also a balance between trying not to be too stylized and right. really adapt your imagery 
to the character. I mean, the, the character and, and its energy has to inform basically the, the way the image works. You know, it should never be too artistic or too, it, it just has to be the right thing. Right, yeah. The camera. Yeah. Yep. No, I was going to say, I think the only shots that, the, the one sequence at the end where you go into the cemetery with a family, there's some very, I mean, they're really well, I, I think you've earned those shots, these shots in the mirror and stuff like that, right? It's yeah. quite, it's quite graphic, but You've earned them somehow, you know what I mean? They are cinematic in the strange. Why did you choose to do that sequence like that? Uh, it was basically the way I felt, you know, because I was right, I was sitting in a car in the back with, with the daughter, and I felt, you know, this the family putting on the favorite song of their son. Yeah. Uh, and I felt the parents being so, you know, their grief being so big. And at the same time, they felt like, is it, you know, is it fair towards our daughter? Can we, you know, there was a feeling of guilt that they are so in pain for, for their son and maybe not, you know, I don't know how to call them. Maybe it's not the best thing for the girl. You know, she has to be more grown up, basically, than them. She has to take care of them because they, they lose themselves in this pain. Uh, and that's why I chose to, to tell while filming. I understood I have to understand the relationship between the father and the daughter while he's singing the song and losing himself in this pain. Uh, so th that was the reason, basically. Yeah. 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 Um, that unguarded moment where he looks back and his eyes are welled up, um, yeah. it, it's a real signifier of the empathy that you um, shoot and edit with. And the um, from watching the movie um, three times in two days, which I've never done. <laughs> wow. <laughs> um, I, I, I mean, that, that last scene ruined me, but... Um, one thing I noticed is your um, your level of empathy as a director. Um, you can see uh, how the movie transitions through this kind of um, uh, portrayal of the heroes, whether it would be Vladimir, the politician, the minister, um, or um, Kalatin, um, Katalin, even the journalist. But the the hope um, it almost seems like it's dashed at the end with the the election results and. Um, at the end, when you've edited the final product, uh, the, the the production, um, do you do you still feel the hope? Do you do you feel like it was dashed with the election result? Um, do you feel like change can still happen? Yes, I do. I mean, I, for me, it's really uh, a positive thing, you know, seeing these these people. Uh, fighting the way they do or standing up to their values and to their professions the way they, they do, uh, seeing Teddy um, standing up to who she is and basically saying, like, I know who I am. I may look different uh, and I will show you. You don't have to look away because I know who I am. And she's still, you know, she's a strong woman. Um, 
No, for me, it's hopeful, but I think that the outcome of these elections for me also shows the complexity of the world and also the the difference between us individuals and the society. We just develop by a different speed, you know, the way we as individuals maybe hope that change will come or we we think that we understand the world. It's it's not the way, uh, you know, the development of society moves. Uh, And... um, I found it to be just a very realistic expression of of what is normally happening in society. It's not. It's like when we're waiting for for the outcome of of elections, you know, because we don't know how our peers basically really think. We don't know how they really will vote. Uh, and at the same time, uh, it also shows for me that you know, however well the intentions we had in Romania this year of press revelations that changed the perception towards the press, Uh, you have a minister that has a lot of goodwill, but basically does not have the power to change things like Superman. Uh, And and the society just reacts to it in that way. They, they They are not yet trusting new things. Things have changed now in Romania a bit. People have a different relationship to the press because of these investigations, but it took a longer time, you know, we have new reformatory parties, even Vlad became part of it. Uh, they won enough votes last, last year to be part of a coalition government and Vlad is back in the Ministry of Health as a health minister. So, you know, things change, but at a different pace than we as individuals. Okay, that's great. Um, yeah, I, I guess um, I guess one, one question I, I could ask as a result is, do you think you would go back um, to film in this um, this kind of situation, um, like would there be a collective too with this uh, kind of uh, expanse of time to allow any development? Um, no, because I don't think it would be interesting. Because I would not be interesting as a filmmaker because I understood things at a certain level, and I, I really need. Um, always to, you know, to pursue new things and, and to use filmmaking as a process of learning things. Uh, and the danger would be just, you know, to go in and try to make a film about something you now think you understand. And I think that's not so interesting. And also for me, not interesting to spend so much time with things that I, I think I got them now. Okay. So I guess it's that um, dichotomy of being an auteur and being um, like a documentary filmmaker where you're just purely observing. So that, that's where it would change for you. I think it has a lot to do with your artistic trigger. You know, you feel triggered or attracted to things that you can feed yourself from. And I, would, I just would not feel anymore that it, it would feed me and I would be able to then give it, you know, pass it on sure. and film. No, that's great. Thank you. Um, James, um, uh, did you wish to ask anything else? I, just, um, I, I wanted to ask, um, are you working on something next? Uh, yeah. Is there something we can look forward to? Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, I mean, I, 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 you know, try to develop things now uh, during the campaign, but to be honest, this one year of complaining <laughs> is really a daily thing. Yeah. And it's over your mind completely and even though you start to develop things to work on scripts to you know but but yes I, I do you know try to work also on fiction films and and uh, docs 
but I think that um, in one month from now, from now, I will, you know, be able to really um, have the time to feel inside myself and see, you know, what I really want to do next. Yeah. But I keep it posted for sure. Yeah, really. Because yeah, we all want to see yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. Great. Um, that's, that's brilliant. Um, I, I'm conscious that we're kind of running out of time on this window. Um, but uh, I feel like that's a really nice point just to kind of uh, call, call time on this. Um, yeah, I was just, I just wanted to say, I, uh, two days ago, my son came back from, from boarding school and uh, we, we watched together against Sicario. So <laughs> incredible. It's so incredible how it absorbs you. And you know, uh, we watched it many times and you can still watch it as fresh. And I was so surprised that it still feels, you know, so, so fresh and so interesting that, you know, the, the, the woman, the main character, is basically not important for the story to happen. Mm -hmm. And that, that makes it so beautifully and makes the poetry of it. She's just not, she could not be there. The, the story would still happen. But yeah. because we see it through her eyes, right. Uh, right. you know, it's just, it's, yeah, no, it's just great. I, I love it. And I loved it. I, I saw, you know, this last shot of him walking away when she points to the mm -hmm. gun at him. And then the shot towards the sky. It's really like a John Ford shot, right? Yeah, really. <laughs> it's like totally inspired out of a John Ford film. Like, yeah, well, you know, all those influences. Yeah, really, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 It was interesting too because the um, movie originally started with a scene with Benicio, his character, and it was a, a really beautiful scene. But when they were cutting it, they realized that Benicio, it's put too much weight on Benicio in the beginning. You should start it with Emily and let it be her story. And then this shadow comes in, who is Benicio. Yeah. And then it turns over to his story for a while and then comes back to em Emily. But that's the brilliance of Denis, being able to yeah. recognize that. Yeah, and also the power of editing that you, you, can't, you can't foresee everything on the page, can you? Yeah. you know? One, you must know when you shoot it, you might, you might. I know when I shot documentaries, I'd come back at the end of the day and think, oh, that was fantastic. That was really amazing what we shot. And then, like, a couple of months later, that's gone. Yeah. It didn't right. relate to the other things you've done. You know, the power of editing is so, yeah. so important. Yeah, yeah. I also get it, you know, in the editing room, you always end up basically throwing away your best things. Yeah. yeah. Just throw the whole film out of balance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I can imagine if you had this story of, of, of Benicio, you know, you don't, you wouldn't have the chance as a viewer to right. discover his backstory, to discover yeah. his demons. Right, right. And, and then, you know, the, the growing, the way in which his force and demons grow and start to show up it's it's that's basically what you discover as a viewer along yeah, the film. Yeah. really important because you you need to you need to hold the viewer with you so by the time you get the scene where benicio's character shoots the family then you still in a way have to emphasize empathize empathize with yeah. him you know yeah. even though he's done such an awful yeah. thing and it, you if you'd have built him at the beginning of being this killer, it wouldn't have worked, would it? You know, so it's yeah, because you would have taken the decision what you want him to do. Yeah, but yeah. In that version now, you sit at the table and really you, you have to think like, 
what is the right thing? What would you do? Yeah, right. Yeah. Will he, you know, will he become evil as them if if, if he shoots them? Will he yeah. shoot them? And I saw the film, I think it was the first time I saw the film. And I, I still forgot that he will shoot his family. I was still because this process of trying to understand what would I do? What is the right yeah, thing? Yeah, yeah. You know, you start to forget and, and when he's, he's doing it, it's just, yeah. yeah. It's great. It's just great. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Well, yeah. we look forward to seeing your next work. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah, thank you very much. And <laughs> be well you. and take care, yeah. Thank you for listening to this insightful conversation. I wish to thank Alexander, Roger and James for their generosity in sharing their creative intentions and insights. Visit our website liberia.io for news of future events and book recommendations.